Hi, everyone. Welcome to Phi Chi Theta's Beyond the Resume, Episode 6. My name is Ryan Menchie, and today I'm with Hannah Stolzer. Hannah is a senior majoring in strategic communication and public affairs. Hannah rushed PCT during the fall of her sophomore year, serving as president of the Lambda Pledge class, as well as PCT's Interchapter Relations Chair over the course of 2019. Currently, she serves under Trinity Riley on PCT's Wellness, Diversity, and Inclusion Committee. Welcome, Hannah. Thank you, and welcome to you. This is your debut podcast. This is indeed, yeah. Carter did the last five, and it was nice being a guest on one of his, but uh, we'll see how this goes on the other side. So thank you for that. Um, let's start sure. with this, Hannah. So you're in PCT, obviously. Um, what's interesting, you aren't actually a business major in PCT. Um, do you want to talk a little bit about what that's like and the impact PCT's had on you? despite not being in Fisher? Yeah, so I am a double major in public affairs and strategic communications. Um, I kind of snuck into PCT. I was you know, saying maybe I would get a business minor. So I was let in on a technicality, but decided against it. Um, and PCT has really given me a lot of help with professionalism, um, a lot of help with kind of navigating in a business world, which is really useful. Um, I mean, even in government, it's good to know how to network. It's good to know how to, there are a lot of business skills that apply pretty much across the board. So um, yeah, it's given me a lot that I, you know, don't, I don't need a business major. I have PCP. No, that's exactly. Um, and that's awesome. So uh, sort of going off of that, I know as far as internship experience, let's start, you interned with Eli Lilly this past summer. Um, if you want to reflect a bit on that experience. Yeah, so that was um, something I kind of out of left field. I wasn't, it wasn't necessarily something I was considering. And then I saw the company, um, Mara Rayberg introduced me to the role. She said, you know, I think you'd be great at this. I think you'd like it. And um, I really did. And I, I loved the team I worked on. I got to work um, in Pittsburgh, not in Pittsburgh. I was virtual. So I was in Columbus, but the team I worked on was just phenomenal, really kind people, really good at their what they do, um, really caring about who they serve. And my boss and my mentor were also just so nice as people. Like, I'm just glad to have them in my network of, you know, not even professional network, just as friends, but um, also incredibly awesome to work for. Um, the whole, the company really is, it, it, it impressed me continually with how, I don't know, just, it was, a, it's a very good company. It's a great place to work. Awesome. Yeah. And I know uh, for some listening, Mar Rayberg is another PCT member. And I'll note that typically taking advice from her, as I've found, is not a good strategy, but I'm glad it paid off for you in this, in this role, Hannah. Um, in addition, you- yeah, Mar and I, I uh, we typically say that taking advice from me, it's like we're the, the blind leading the blind because we both give each other advice and we both have no idea what we're talking about. This was a rare exception. So good job, Mara. Yeah, there you go. Shout out to her. Um, also, you graduated high school uh, a semester early to intern at a startup in New York City. Um, and I know you've mentioned to me that the startup you worked at kind of offered something that you think isn't really well recognized within the greater Fisher community that uh, startups kind of benefit students for. Um, if you want to talk about that as well. Yeah, uh, definitely. And not even just Fisher, you know, I think that our generation 
at least at OSU, the culture seems to be really focused on kind of old money, old business. Um, I know a lot of people would probably take issue with that. So there are a ton of exceptions. But as a whole, I think that um, startups are kind of underappreciated. And my role, it was really cool. Um, I got to go, I, it was, the job was in New York. Um, it was in Brooklyn. So that was awesome on its own. But then I also, I got way more responsibilities than I have since, you know, I have not had a job since then where I got as much responsibility simply because it's a smaller company. They need more from each employee. Um, so I was literally 17 and I still got to do things that, you know, I was, one of my roles was to um, work with media outlets. I worked for, it was actually like kind of a boutique chocolate company, um, you know, like chocolate souvenirs for the rich and famous. It's very interesting. Um, so some of their clients now are like Twitter and Louis Vuitton, but back when I was there, um, I was, I was working with media outlets to get featured in magazines to be like, look at this. This is why you should, you know, buy these chocolates. And it was really cool. I got to literally reach out to editors at Cosmopolitan, Refinery29. Um, I know I, we did work with Food Network and it was a 17 year old behind the email reaching out to these companies and saying, you know, doing, making business with them. And we actually, you know, I got us in I got us on Cosmopolitan Online. I got us in Star Magazine. And it was just weird because it was nothing I ever, ever thought that I would be able to do at that age and with no experience. Um, so, you know, I think that I know Shirley Zhang, who's also a member, um, works at a startup now. And it's we've talked about it before where you just can do so much more. You can get so much experience. There's so much I could put on my resume because of that um, and just gave me an idea of what I'm good at and what I like. Um, I will say a lot of, you know, it's easy for me to say work for a startup. It's great. A lot of them won't pay, which is beside the fact that they should pay you for your labor. It's also just really heightening the inequality that already exists. Um, you know, only rich people can and only privileged people can afford to work for free. And then, you know, they get to put that on their resume and they get it just kind of get a, again, another rung up the ladder and get to kind of get to things faster. So I think that that's definitely not what I'm advocating, but more and more we are seeing startups that will pay and will give you opportunities. So don't just go for the big four, you know, really when you're applying, I really, really suggest looking at some startups if you aren't already, it was a great experience. No, that's a great point. And I think uh, it definitely can't be emphasized enough uh, that kind of the unpredictability of working at a startup uh, where like your role is kind of maybe less formally organized than say, if you're going to work at a big four accounting firm or just a typical finance internship or whatever, uh, through Fisher. Um, I feel like there is probably a lot to gain from that, especially for you as a 17 year old in the, you know, biggest city in the country. That's pretty awesome to experience. So, um, yeah, glad that was a neat experience as well. And then also you interned with Planned Parenthood. Uh, before the pandemic started, and also you continued working virtually thereafter. Um, and I know you've talked to me a good bit about that, if you want to reflect on that experience as well. <laughs> yes, I've talked to you a good bit about it, more like I've talked everyone's ear off about it. And I, um, so yeah, I would love to talk about it. So before the, before the pandemic hit, the internship was more about, you know, we, I was learning about the legislation in Ohio. Um, I was learning about what Planned Parenthood does, how it advocates, how it educates, how it fundraises. Um, 
And then, you know, that was the advocacy side and then the actual clinic side of how it actually provides care. Uh, and that was really interesting. We were going to, I got to go to the state house and listen in on hearings for bills that were <laughs> absurd, to be honest. Um, Ohio is pretty special because I've said this before, but it has weather like the North Pole and laws and bills like the Deep South. So it's pretty cool in that way. Not really. But uh, so we got to kind of go and support, you know, even just going to the state house when bills were being hear heard, it's kind of standard for Planned Parenthood, um, organizations like NARAL, organizations that support um, reproductive freedom and access to healthcare to just have a presence there. Um, and it's also not uncommon that they reach out to people that testify. And so that was, you know, kind of, I was in on all that. Once the pandemic hit, we went virtual. Um, and then also that kind of aligned with, you know, the start of summer was when we started really kicking into gear electoral work. Um, not that that hadn't been in place before, but this was kind of a huge get out the vote push. And I got to participate in that. So a lot of phone banking, um, I got told, a lot of interesting things by people who were really sick of hearing me call, which I understand. Um, but I do, you know, I also got to help people know how to register or turn in ballots and stuff like that. Um, which I will say PCT had, I, I annoyed, I, I say annoyed, but you know, I wrote, I reached out to a lot of people in PCT. I reached out during chapter. I posted on my Instagram story, like no one's business and people in PCT consistently had my back. They consistently supported me, thanked me, said, you know, I was doing great work, which is just something that, I don't know, it was, it was just really nice because, you know, it could get annoying, I'm sure, especially if you've already registered and you're like, we get it. So that was just something that my friends, having the PCT family back me up was just amazing. And a lot of them came to me and were like, can you help me do this? Um, one member, I think he wouldn't mind me saying this, Max texted me. He was like, hey, so um, I kind of don't know how to do any of this. And I feel like that's your thing. Can you help me vote? And I was like, oh my God, this is the best text I've ever gotten. So that kind of stuff made me really happy. Um, and we, so, you know, most of it, once we went online was a lot about the election and a lot about information. And it wasn't really so much about Biden. Um, in fact, it wasn't at all about Biden, even though he was the candidate that Planned Parenthood endorsed, it was more about, in general, trying to get as many people to vote, because statistically, the more people that vote, uh, or I should say historically, the more people that vote, the more people vote Democrat. Um, so, and vote, you know, in, in vote in favor of things that Planned Parenthood stands for. Um, and we focused a lot on Ohio Senate candidates, Ohio House candidates, Ohio judges, because those are really the people that are making the decisions and making the laws that make a difference in Ohio. Um, there's a primary coming up. I'm just going to plug it in Ohio. You can register to vote by April 5th um, for the May 4th primary. And I know it's like the president, what, who are we voting for? What? We, we already did the Senate and the president. Yes, but there are still important decision makers who need to be held accountable. Um, and Ohio has passed 24 restrictions in the last decade, many of which were during the pandemic when they failed to pass things that could help you and actually were focusing more on restricting health care and restricting uh, SNAP benefits and ways that people can get help. So just really quickly, I'm going to pop off again and then I'll stop. <laughs> but a lot of people, you know, have kind of come to me, people in PCT2 to ask about, you know, when um, RBG died, when... Um, Amy Coney Barrett got selected and approved when Trump lost, but still 
still, you know, there's a lot of scary things happening. People ask me, what's the future of Roe and Roe v. Wade that is. And like, I, and people ask me, but also kind of just asking, you know, reaching out to the void, wondering what's going to happen. And a lot of people said, um, like, I guess it's just important to know Roe is not, Roe is the floor. It's not the ceiling. Um, it's, you know, it's okay. It's a great, it's, it's a great law. We want to uphold it. It's been degraded though. So it's not, I don't know, just, it's, it's important to kind of look past that and ask a little bit more than, you know, what if Roe falls? Because it's kind of like, well, Roe is falling. It's been falling, especially in Ohio. It's been degraded time and time again with uh, all these laws. If you look like Senate bill 2260, Senate bill 27, if you, if you're ever curious and bored, go look into them. It'll blow your mind. They're pretty absurd. Um, so just kind of that's I'm done. Um, and again, that's, you know, the people that we vote for, those are the people making those decisions and they're spending time doing that instead of making decisions uh, that could help you. So anyway, <laughs> that was my experience at Planned Parenthood. Obviously it's something I'm very passionate about. So I've loved being able to work with them. Yeah, no, that's awesome. I think it's, it's very aspirational that uh, you were able to do a lot of local work um, through that, especially in local politics. I know um, a lot of what gets covered and what I'm more familiar with is on a more national scale. Um, I'm aware that, uh, you know, Biden's position kind of changed on abortion through the years. Um, he wants to make Roe v. Wade the law of the land. Also, many Democrats want to repeal the Hyde Amendment, which restricts Medicaid in, I believe, 34 states across America. So um, there's definitely, you know, work to be done on that end for sure. Um, but with passionate voices like you, um, I guess we'll see where that goes. So yeah, Thank you. glad that experience was great. Um, and sort of going off of that as well, um, you're also the president of He for She, which is an on-campus organization. Um, and I know you care very much about that. That's another thing you post on Instagram a lot about. Um, do you want to reflect on how passionate you are about that and sort of your experience with that club over the years? Absolutely. So, uh, yeah, I, I post, I use Instagram and I, you know, I've talked about this before, but I understand stories, Instagram stories may be futile efforts, but they may not be. So I post in the hopes that maybe they'll do something and often they do. So, you know, take, take of that well, what you will, but you anyway, get reply um, guys. She is, you get reply yeah, guys I, on Instagram. So it does something. Yeah, it does something if only anger really um, frustrated white men who don't like me, but that's fine. That's enough. Um, so I, he for she is an organization. I came to OSU um, and I do want to say like, shout out to all the struggling freshmen because I was with you. Um, I think that if you didn't struggle as a freshman, then congratulations, you may be made of solid gold because that just seems so rare. Um, OSU is a gigantic school. And I tried to enter a few clubs and I just, none of them really struck my interest. So I found he for she, I knew about he for she. Um, it's a gender equality initiative. It is through United Nations and it's a really, it's a great initiative. Um, if you're more interested in it and its name, it doesn't support the gender binary. There's a reason behind that name and you can kind of go look into it, but I'll just say we as a club support the gender as a spectrum anyway. Um, so I joined as a freshman and I immediately, you know, it was the nicest, kindest 
people who were also weird and fun and in incredibly passionate and really smart. Um, and I was just kind of excited to be part of a club that not only they had ideas that I liked, but they also really liked my ideas. You know, they were, it wasn't one of those things where you pay dues, you sit in the back of a room, there are 50 of you, you don't really see scene, um, which is fine, but that's really common at a school this big. So to have a club that felt really intimate and um, it was really nice. And then over the years, I kind of was able to take on more responsibility. Um, the previous president, Lizzie, who was phenomenal, she kind of took me under her wing a little bit, showed me the ropes, and then I got to be vice president. And now I get to be president and I get to have the coolest, greatest people work with me. Um, they're creative, they're passionate. We just, it's so fun. I get to do like research and present on topics that I just have always been interested in, but now I actually get to talk about it with a group of people who I trust and are just kind. Um, and we also get to, you know, raisers. I've made like a kajillion candles because um, we can't, we got to, we had to get creative with fundraising. So this year we're selling candles, pins, um, t-shirts, anything we can virtually, you know, promote virtually and then sell, um, which is a, totally a plug. I'm plugging it. So follow Kipashi OSU on Instagram. Actually, is that the Instagram? I think it is. So you can do that. Um, and, you know, we just, it's just a lot of fun. It is, I'm so, I like get emotional thinking about leaving because it's, I just love this club so much. And I think that we got Terry Crews to come to campus to a sold out crowd of over a thousand people. And it's kind of funny because like we're such a small club. So we were like, wow, look at us go. Um, so yeah, it's just been, it's been amazing. An outlet for all of my passion and kind of really, a, it's been a force to be reckoned with. It's gotten a lot. I speak for the club as an entity. It's done a lot. Um, in the past few years. So I'm really proud of it. Yeah, I, I think it's very cool. And I know on your end, um, while your role has kind of increased um, and you have the chance to sort of pay it forward to the organization, um, it's also very cool that you're still able to learn so much uh, when you give these presentations. And I know, obviously, you do your research to get that far with it. Um, but I think that's a very you know, respectable way to kind of pay it forward uh, to a club that's enhanced your college experience for sure. Um, and I know you mentioned Terry Cruz. Um, you told me recently, former Ohio State defensive end Jalen Holmes may want to uh, have something to do with your he for she chapter. Yeah, so imagine me, a person who doesn't watch football, um, getting an email from a former OSU football players agent because this player Jalen Holmes now plays for the Vikings which is um, a team in Minnesota and I know that because of Lizzo so that just helps you gauge my level of um, knowledge on this but anyway he his agent reached out and was like I want to do you know Jalen wants to do something with he for she and I was kind of like this is spam and then I was like wait this is real so it was just really cool um, and I got to I've spoken to his agent a few times now actually you know there is going to be an event um you know unless something extreme happens which given the recent the past year nothing's impossible but um there's going to be probably a virtual definitely a virtual event and we're actually going to probably be doing it with ohio women's alliance which is a phenomenal organization obviously in ohio that helps women um you know women from all walks of life women from all backgrounds specifically women of low you know that have low access to things that they need. Um, so 
it's going to be awesome. I'm really excited. We're bringing in an NFL football player and an incredible women's organization and see he for she it's a little club, but it, it can pull. It has some pull. It's interesting. It's way it's more than I thought, way more than I expected. That's, so it's that's great. Yeah. Very exciting. So, yeah. Um, I think maybe you have to wonder if the feminism movement would be a lot uh, more maybe well-respected, I'd say, if people just knew uh, if an NFL defensive end could support it, that it's actually pretty cool to back that movement. Um, but apparently yeah, that's not enough today. Thought, mm-hmm. No, who would have thought that hating women might actually be going out of style? Like, what a world we live in. These The times are changing, that is for sure. <laughs> like, okay, how do I do this? I think that, yeah, I think that that's kind of why we were psyched about um having Terry Crews and having Jalen Holmes because they're people who, you know, they fill such a traditionally masculine mold of athletic, strong, you know, built, but then they come bearing a message that is so important. Terry Crews spoke about his sexual assault experience. Um, he was a victim of sexual assault and also talked about how he played the flute and has a, you know, has a painting studio in his house and just all these things that should belong to any gender to should belong to anyone and, you know, are so kind of there and then also of course talk about how the feminist movement and how women are also <laughs> men are not the only ones that experience um experience bad things because of sexism i'm doing such a can you believe that i'm a communications major and then i just have sentences that go like this <laughs> but yeah great. it's it's awesome to have, it's awesome to have thank you it's awesome to have really badass guys like jalen and terry cruz come because it is kind of something where it's like see the feminist movement is not just for women anymore. Like it's really not. So join in. Well done. That's great. Um, also, you mentioned this summer, and I know this after the George Floyd murder took place. Um, you attended the protest that took place in Columbus. Um, if you want to reflect on that. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I wanted to bring it up mostly as a kind of PSA about the Columbus Police Department. Um, I also want to recognize like I am privileged, I am white, I am merely a an aspiring ally to the movement. Um, it's really self-serving for me to talk about going to protests, but I think it's important to talk about what I witnessed. So that's kind of why I asked if we could kind of bring it up. Um, I just, I thought, first of all, the experience of going and it was really devastating, but also really empowering to see so many people stand up for such injustice. And it was, it, I don't know, it was like right around the 4th of July, I realized kind of, it was the 4th of July. Cause at first I was like, I really don't feel a lot of patriotism this year. And then I was like, actually, I feel a lot of patriotism. I feel really proud of my country when I look around at the people fighting for fighting for freedom and for justice in a real way. So that's kind of the energy that the Black Lives Matter protests provide. That's, you know, it's patriotism in its truest form, in my opinion. Um, But the Columbus Police Department, really, it radicalized me going to those protests because I knew police were problematic, you know, all of that. I heard it, but I, I, I never understood the extent until I saw, you know, the National Guard standing with the Ohio Police, the Columbus Police Department, armed, like, military grade arming enough to definitely like enough to completely really take over a city it seems like it was just and 
peaceful protesters were met with violence, were met with tear gas, were met with, um, you know, rubber bullets. And it was just, I, I'm saying, I say all this just to say, like, if you think that there's not a problem with militarized police, I urge you to do some more research. Um, the Columbus Police Department alone is about a third, if I'm not wrong, um, of the Columbus budget, the entire budget. It is over 54 times the budget of education for the city. So like, I don't know how you can justify that. I can't find a way to, they have, you know, six helicopters. I don't, or I think they have four. They might have four helicopters, my apologies. So there are just a lot of things where it's like, if you're not, if you're not radicalized, then read until you are because it's the information is out there and it's shocking. Um, and if you don't believe in systemic racism, if you don't think it exists in this country, then you either are at this point choosing not to see it or choosing not to care. So, and I don't, you know, dear listener, whoever ear I am in, I don't think that you're a bad person, but I just think that read until you're radicalized because you will be is kind of what I gathered from my experiences this summer and what I continue to learn. Um, and, and seeing. Yeah, I- My Hannah Solder. I know like this summer, um, a lot of media outlets, you know, claim that uh, this summer's events maybe seem like a turning of the page or something different. And I think it's clear that there are, you know, ideas to act on this. Um, but yet we're here in March 2021 and uh, very little has been done on that front. And a lot of these underlying problems, honestly, most of them, if not all, still exist. Um, so it it's disappointing, um, but obviously you've done your research on this. Um, and I think, you know, we'll see if, uh, you know, Department of Justice investigations even become a thing. I know years ago that took place and they found systemic racism in a couple of police departments, including uh, the Baltimore, Maryland one, which is close to where I'm from, um, and a couple of others. Um, but it's, it's at least some accountability. I feel like that should be mutually agreed upon by everyone. Uh, and it doesn't even seem like we can do that at this point. Yeah, I agree. I think that, and I mean, you know, Department of Justice, I completely understand my initial reaction is the Department of Justice should intervene, should do something. But at the same time, it's like, well, the Department of Justice has existed for quite some time and they haven't done anything. So defunding the police might seem like, and I, and I, you know, I've talked to people who are consider themselves liberal or consider themselves at least Democrats. And they're like, okay, but defunding the police is the wrong message. And I'm like, okay, sure. Like maybe defund the police will frighten people out of supporting it. But also people have been calling to demilitarize the police for eons, for decades. And that has not happened and has not made people care. So this phrase defund the police, you know, the rhetoric used frightens people and it at least gets it's catchy but it's not just catchy for the sake of being catchy it's catchy for the sake of it to actually catch on as a movement and defund the police not so that there isn't police or not so that there isn't i mean not so that there isn't someone or something in place to respond to crises or respond to violence but so that it is it is something that you know there's a system in place that actually works and actually works for the most vulnerable the most marginalized among us and not you know not just for a select few and honestly 
I don't even think it works for anyone. Like even a select few, if you're lucky, it'll work for you, but it's just, it's, it, yes, I I'm done. But yeah, like, I think that, you know, maybe going forward, I haven't seen a lot of change being made other than I've seen more people start to care. And I think that that actually should not be, um, I don't know. I, that shouldn't, I should, I should value that more than I do because I think that that does show a lot of potential. So mm -hmm. Yes. And yeah. things will unfortunately, you know, probably have to move slowly um, just because of how our system works, but um, maybe even a slight bit of promise there. I know this past summer, um, you know, some people did their research, they had different methods of doing so. Um, I watched The Wire on HBO, which takes place in Baltimore. And I know I recommended that to you. And I, I mean, we can pretty much just say it's unequivocally the best show ever. Um, but it really does uh, kind of put systemic racism, police brutality, and uh, corruption among, you know, these things in cities really on a palette for the viewer. Um, and I think that really taught me a lot and opened my eyes. And uh, I, I wish everyone could have something like that show was for me um, to sort of open their eyes and see that, you know, change really is needed. Yeah. Yeah, that show is, I mean, I feel like it's, it's like we're suggesting, you know, you should watch, have you heard of The Simpsons? You should try it out. Because I feel like The Wire is pretty prolific among other generations. But our generation, I just haven't heard much from it, at least not people our age. Um, yeah, go watch The Wire. It is incredible. Other than being a very truthful telling of how the quote unquote system works, it's also just such good tv like it is so good you know how they say it's not tv it's hbo well like that is true in this case this is different this is just very very good tv so go watch it thank yes, you yes 100 it doesn't exaggerate it at all um the characters you'll fall in love with it's 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 very good can't recommend it enough um but yeah moving on from that um we talked about a tv show there your taste in music and movies, I can say is pretty exquisite. Um, I take great pride in my taste for those things as well. Um, let's start off with, you're kind of obsessed with Michael Sarah. Um, <laughs> care to explain? I appreciate that. I like you saying my taste is exquisite. Um, I feel like my taste is just my taste. I feel like everyone's taste is just their taste. So like, I think my taste is the absolute best because it's mine, so, you know. Um, take, you know, if you disagree, that's totally fine. I mean, definitely don't tell me because I don't really care, dear listener, but like, yeah, I, I appreciate that. Um, I like your taste too. So Michael Sarah, Michael Sarah has a special place in my heart. Um, I don't know why I remember I still lived in Cleveland when I started loving him and I moved out of Cleveland when I was 12. So like, it's been a really dedicated, like love story, um, it's one-sided. He doesn't know I exist yet, but I do love him deeply. Um, Juno is probably that. Should we talk? I'm going to talk movies because I think that ties in very nicely because two of my favorite movies um, are Juno and Superbad, which obviously Michael Sarah has a leading role in both of them. Um, and they're just, if you, those are probably, I mean, if, if you haven't seen them, definitely go watch. Um, Superbad is probably the movie if I like that's my desert island movie that's my sick movie if I'm homesick like that's the movie I'm gonna watch because it's just it's just pure music to my ears um and then Juno I mean 
Elliot Page is phenomenal in everything he does. I didn't love Inception, but like, you know, he was pretty good in it at least. So I'm sorry, don't come at me for that, please. Inception was fine. I'll take it back. Um, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind is another one I love. I'm just kind of going down my list because I don't want you to have a chance to talk, apparently. Um, Eternal Sunshine was like, I watched that with my best friend Allie when we were in middle school. And that was the first movie that made us like really think about life and really ask the big questions. We were just like sitting in my basement crying and we were like, wait, what, what's happening to us? Like, what is this question about life that we have? Do you have a comment on that? Did you, you liked Eternal Sunshine, didn't you? I, I saw Eternal Sunshine. I watched it at like 2 a.m. one time freshman year. Oh, yeah, never um, I take it back. So yeah, I need to watch it again. What I will note, um, you mentioned Inception and don't worry, I'm going to get to something you're passionate about here in a yeah, moment. Um, you mentioned Inception. Um, I thought Inception was good. Um, on a broader note, I think Christopher Nolan movies are actually too hard to understand. Like I'm not super intelligent, but I know like I should be able to comprehend a movie with how many I watch. And I think you know, some Nolan movies are very over the top. I like The Prestige. I liked Inception. Um, I haven't seen Interstellar, um, but for people like Steve Hudock who tell me that I didn't understand Tenet and I can't like it, um, you know, Steve, no, I have a problem with that. <laughs> but as we talk about Interstellar, uh, I know a very hot take of yours happens to be about Matthew McConaughey, who is pretty much the star of my favorite movie, Dazed and Confused. Uh, Go ahead. You can take this time and platform to defend that. Okay. Thank you. I really appreciate it. I was rubbing my hands together just in anticipation because I love, I love to talk about interstellar. Um, it's first of all, it's a, it's fine. Like don't, it's fine. It's not a bad movie. I think I would have liked it more if it wasn't so overhyped. I know I would have liked it more if it wasn't so overhyped because people were like, it's amazing. And I was like, it's yeah. I mean like, okay, cool. But here's the thing. There is no universe where I can extend reality enough to believe that Matthew McConaughey knows astrophysics, at least not like more than I know astrophysics. So if I'm going to get kind of confused and I, if, you know, I've been told I probably just didn't understand it. And that's why I didn't like it. No, I rebuke that. Yes. I don't know how the inner workings of space and time continuum works because you don't either. So don't, don't, I could, it should still be entertaining. Um, it wasn't as entertaining because I, it was just too distracting. I was like, Michael, no, not Michael Sarah. Sorry. Don't want to drag him under in this. Matthew McConaughey is just not believable as to be that smart. That's just not believable. Like, are you kidding me? I, I hear you out. Um, he's, he's remarkably good and dazed and confused. Um, all right. All right. All right. Uh, right. maybe some things haven't aged greatly from that movie, but, uh, Having not seen Interstellar, I'm I'm excited to anticipate agreeing with your take, uh, given that I don't love Nolan. However, um, what I will say is in The Prestige, which is one of Nolan's movies from 06, I've told a couple people to watch that. Um, Dewey Khan Trin, another member in PCT I know, just watched that. Um, so shout out to him for having also pretty good taste. Um, I know it's not believable for McConaughey to be an astrophysicist. Uh, somehow in that movie, The Prestige, David Bowie is cast as Nikola Tesla. Um, and that sort of made sense to me, which is pretty wild. Um, but, you know, since I'm going to talk about David Bowie, um, I know you're a fan of Bowie. 
and have a vinyl collection as well. Maybe not any Bowie, maybe not any Bowie vinyls, but uh, go off on your music taste now. All right, all right. Oh, I didn't even mean to do that. You, that was bad. That was bad. <laughs> yeah, that was bad. Um, yeah, I am obnoxious. I have a vinyl collection because I am the coolest kid on Tumblr. Um, but I most a lot of my vinyls I stole from not stole like from my dad and my grandpa. So I have like Crosby, Stills, Nash. I have a lot of Vocal Harem, um, the Eagles. I have like like My Fair Lady and Godspell because I guess I think my grandpa was in the musicals, which you know is pretty rad. Um, so that's you know I also have the Juno soundtrack because that's another thing. The Juno soundtrack is just kind of exquisite. It's it's pretty elite. I don't know. I just like. I like vinyl. It hits different. Everyone, I mean, that everyone knows that. I actually read into why that is. I guess it's something to do with like the further all I like kind of, kind of what I got from it is the further it is from electronic, the more it is kind of natural, um, you know, instrumental, the better it will sound on vinyl. And it actually will, vinyl will be able to, you'll be able to hear differences. So that helps me um, kind of justify my pretentious purchase of a record player in high school. Um, but yeah, other than that, I mean, aside from vinyl, I think, can I, I'm going to go off on some of my favorite, I think this is a hard question, um, because it is constantly changing, but there are, you know, there are those artists that's like always come back around. I think for me, that would probably be Haim, um, H-A-I-M, they're a sister's rock band. They are nominated for a Grammy, they're probably going to win, um, not that that matters, but uh, Janelle Monet. Janelle Monet is, if you haven't listened to a dirty computer, go listen to it because it is so good. Um, oh my God, it's so good. It is just no skips on full blast. That's what I listened to on election day this year. So I was like, I need something that will make me happy and will put serotonin into me while I am sad and scared. Um, uh, Bleachers is another one. Jackie Antonoff is a wizard. Um, fun while we're at it is also gone, but good, fun period, not like the emotion or the experience of fun. Group love, uh, Kendrick Lamar, also just kind of poetry. He's always brilliant. Lord, I think I already said her. She's <clears> amazing. Yes. Oh, I didn't? Nope, you did. Melodrama. Melodrama is another one. Like if you haven't listened to it, if you if you look down at Lord, because most of her listeners are maybe female, I don't know why you look down on her, but re-examine that and then go listen. Um, because she's just amazing. Mount Joy and Camp, I got to see them in concert this year with some PCT friends. They came to a drive-in concert, so it was socially distant. Um, it was it was actually really good. I didn't know if the sound quality would just be trash and it would just be a fun you know thing to do anyway. But it was actually really good. Like the sound quality was great, and the music, the um, venue was beautiful. It was just it was nice. Um, and then also like the ones from my parents, everyone I feel like inherits kind of their parents' taste a little bit. So that's where the Fleetwood Mac, the Kinks, that's where Bowie, Crosby, Stills, Nash & Young comes in. Um, my dad's obsessed with like British rock. So he is, he loves Procol Harum, which is really funny if you've never listened to it. It's like kind of intense. It's like you would meet my dad and be like, hmm, okay, interesting. But yeah, it's, uh, those are kind of, I guess, my, my favorites. And then of course, Taylor Swift. I have to lean on her. I was going to get to it. Yes. Yeah. I have to, I of course have to <laughs> give credits where credit is due. Um, yes. Menchie, what's your thought? What's your thoughts? I, on so on just about everything, I think we agree on a lot. Um, 
I grew up kind of with the underlying notion that Neil Young is like the coolest person to ever exist. So our fandom of Crosby stills, Nash and Young, uh, definitely is works pretty well. Uh, a couple mm-hmm. that you introduced to me, um, Fleetwood Mac for sure. I was into growing up, but not really vehemently fan favorite of mine. Um, yeah, I love Rumors. It's a great album. Um, I know Lord. I'm not very into. I mean, what a prodigy. Seriously, um, melodrama yeah. being released when she was 20. Um, I turned 21 in three days. Please do not wish me a happy birthday. Um, but like, that's insane to even consider that such a great and album was produced. Seventeen, like that's yes. insane. That it's is unbelievable. Insane. Yeah. Yeah, and obviously, I think you told me to listen to Folklore, which was T Swift's album, the first album she put out in 2020, and uh, Evermore is just as good. Uh, I've sort of gone back and listened to more. T-Swift and love it and of course uh, the similarity between Lord and T-Swift happens to be that Jack Antonoff of Bleachers is a common producer for them so it all kind of comes full circle your taste is like it definitely has some value due to that thank you (laughs) so what I'm getting is everyone Everyone say thank you to Jack Antonoff. No, I'm just kidding. I, I do love him. I got a birthday card from him that was, in fact, not from him. It was from Menchi, Mara, and JT. But um, I like to pretend it was from Jack Antonoff, which means happy birthday from New Jersey. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, Fleetwood Mac also, just to, if you're wondering if they tour again, if they do like, you know, they've done like, I think like 20 farewell tours at this point. But if you get a chance to go see them, they mick fleetwood i i honestly i was worried for like his the health of his heart because he did like a 10 minute straight rock solo i went to see him in columbus with my friend maddie mcconaughey no relation to matthew mcconaughey um she is talented and lovely and actually probably would understand astrophysics um and he like they just delivered like obviously stevie next like she holds up um but mick fleetwood like his eyes I thought were going to pop out of his head, but he was going so hard. It was, God, so impressive. Just so, so impressive. It was amazing. Um, but yeah, Taylor Swift, back to Taylor Swift. Yeah, I feel like I've kind of had, I've had her as like, I felt like I needed to apologize for liking her, which kind of speaks more to the culture than like her specifically as an artist. I mean, it only speaks to the culture, but now I'm like, see, I knew all this time what you guys didn't know. And now everyone's catching on and, and I'm happy. I'm here for it. I'm so, she's getting recognized because I mean, she's just a very talented artist. She's, she's incredible. I, you know, her retirement will be her songwriting. She's just very good with writing. Um, Yeah. And she's just also a Titan of the industry. She's kind of built an empire in an industry. That's really hard to do as a woman. Um, Similar to, you know, you look at, Beyonce has done the same thing. Rihanna has done the same thing. People that have just had massive, massive impact on the music industry. It's really, really cool to see. And yeah. then Folklore and Evermore are also just constantly beautiful albums. So I appreciate that as well. Yes, I think like kind of goes without saying. I would, I would probably call T-Swift and Beyonce probably like the two most generationally talented artists uh, that we've kind of been alive for. You could That's throw a couple others in there. 
but yeah, you couldn't say that. I mean, people are, I mean, you should say that, but you like, I was actually thinking about that. Kendrick Lamar is definitely yes. also included in that. And he is, you know, he, I think he is recognized um, for his talent. Um, and there are definitely others. I mean, you know, Michael Sarah actually does have a Spotify, so he shouldn't be counted out from this category. Like he makes music. I can't attest it's as great as like, you know, his acting career, yeah, but we'll hear it he out. Should, he should, yeah, he should be considered. Yeah. Um, so all that is great. We'll go into rapid fire questions now. Um, we'll start off with a music one since that's what we've been discussing. Um, what would be your go-to karaoke song right now? Um, uh, Super Trooper by, um, by ABBA. ABBA. Okay, yes. Anything yeah. off of the Mamma Mia soundtrack just yeah, goes Super Trooper was different. Although also... The night of the election, actually, no, the night the results were called, like the night the results were called for like the 50th time, I guess I should say. Um, my friend, Leah Merrick, who um, I adore, um, we sang, oh, I guess I can't say it because it has an explicit word in it, something about Donald Trump. And mm -hmm. um, it was pretty good. Honestly, like it felt pretty good to sing. So I would sing that too. Not even for the politics of it, just because it's like, it's a good song, you know, like, yeah. Pretty good. Not the Mac Miller one, the one that's but, less celebratory of him. Yes. I will say. Oh, the Mac Miller is also great. It's also a very good one. Yes. Okay. Um, let's move on to this one. If you could live in any decade, uh, which would you choose to live in? Mm, this is hard because like, no matter where you go, it's just going to be racism and sexism, like way rampant more so than it is today. So if I can I exclude can I like exclude that? I'm gonna say materially, like based off of how it looks in movies. Certainly. I would say I would say the seventies because mm -hmm. like I don't know, flower power, hippies, the revolution, counterculture just seemed cool. Yes. I would pick the same exact decade, probably for similar reasons. Um also music. You would pick it for music too. Obviously. Yes. I could go on about it for eternities. Yes. Um <laughs> You should just do a podcast where you host and you're the guest and you just talk to yourself about 70s music. I'll I'll reach out to exec and see if that can happen. Um, but that is obviously something I'm willing to do. As, as a lone wolf myself, that would yeah. be a ton of fun. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then let's do this one lastly, maybe not so much rapid fire, uh, but can you touch upon the impact PCT's had on your college experience and also maybe why someone should rush? I kind of already touched upon it, but I'll circle back. Um, it's just really, you know, he for she is great, but it's still great to get involved more. Um, OSU is gymongous. It's huge. You got to do something unless you're, you know, maybe made of, you know, you're a very special human. You, you might not need this, but it's really a lot better to go to school here if you somehow make the school smaller and joining an organization like PCT, um, is a one way to do that. Also, PCT is just, this is so overused, but like it is genuine people. I really thought that I didn't like Fisher people. And then I joined PCT and I was like, wait, these people are so weird and cool. I like it. Like you can definitely find your kind of people here. Um, they also just let, it's, I don't know, they embrace growth. They embrace different people, um, different thoughts. And I think they also, you know, as much as as much as people may disagree on things, they, I think there's a general consensus that it's, it's, you know, they just embrace kind of discussion and moving forward. Um, I just, I think it's, 
it's just a fun more than anything it's just fun like it's just a fun there the people are cool the people are thoughtful and like caring for you they will be there for you they will have your back they will hold your hand while you cry about econ um that's true so, yeah and like you get families which again i was like it's so annoying how fraternities do bigs and littles and now i'm like my family is the best shout out to in order that i got them um abe rc alex Pizoff, awesome littles awesome people cool weird amazing talented um alex my big ikazawa is like a mentor for life now whether he likes it or not he's one of the greatest people i know um taught me so so much so just the people that you get to meet and the bonds that you get to form you know it's it's really it's quite it's like nothing else it's it's really worth it it's worth rushing is kind of a pain and i understand that um and we understand that but it's it's really worth it it's it's a great organization 100 percent. yeah i think all of us could attest to uh, sort of the pride that we all have for this organization. And it is pretty awesome that, you know, that stems from so many different experiences for each individual in the chapter. Um, but yeah, thank you so much for coming on, Hannah. Really appreciate you taking the time. And yeah, thank uh, you. yeah it was great. So talk soon and have a good one. Bye, everyone. <laughs>